0: Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by UnderAGaslitLamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast.
1: Aston it through the Wesley!
0: That is a gigantic goal from a man who was made in the whole games and he delivers in London when it really
2: matters for Aston Villa. Breach! Oh, Breach!
0: Helps it on to Tyrone and Konza! Konza gold
2: for Aston Villa! Hello and a warm welcome back to Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. As ever, we're going to take a quick trip round the Villaverse, taking a look at the Wolves stalemate and looking ahead to Friday's trip to take on Steve Bruce's Newcastle. My name is Andy, um, and similar to last week, our sporting director has been busy identifying new talent for the podcast. And today, I'm delighted that Craig has rejoined us um, for his second week, and also my new recruit uh, Dan. So welcome along, guys! Nice, nice to have you have you back on, and, and nice to have you on for your your debut, Dan. Do you just want to? Um, start by sort of telling us a little bit about about yourself and 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 what brought you to Aston Villa
0: yeah thanks Andy and and hi there everyone um firstly I'm disappointed I didn't get the new signing treatment there's been no keepy uppies in the centre circle I've, I've not been awkwardly signing a contract in front of anyone uh, but no, like my name's Daniel <laughs> Betridge, I'm a I'm a writer and author and diehard Villa fan. Um, I wish honestly I had an exciting story to tell you about how I became a Villa fan. I, you know, I grew up in the shadow of Villa Park or or met Brian Little as a lad. But um, really, I, I I didn't really get into football until I was early teens, and by then there wasn't a family team to support. The nearest was my cousin who was a massive, massive Villa fan. So I thought to myself, ah, he supports them. It'll be a, be a good team to support. And the first game I ever watched on TV was the, the 96 Cup final where we, we won 3-0. And watching Big Savo bang in the opener, I remember thinking to myself, oh, this is going to be all right being a Villa fan. It's, uh, you know, win every year. Times will be good. But little did I know that uh, silverware would be the exception rather than the rule. But for 25 years on, or whatever it's been, it makes me feel old. It's, I wouldn't trade it in for the world. Well, maybe some of the years I trade him, but but nowadays it's it's great to be a Villa fan again. No, that's great.
2: I, I was actually at that game, so um, yeah, I was I was I was I was right down the uh, the line of that shot. So yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was it was a great day, and like yeah, absolutely like you. Um I think we had a couple of years I think um I think Craig probably remembers those those few years where we won two cups and thought this is this is brilliant and then uh, nothing since until the the playoff trophy if we if we count that um I, I well don't forget the Intertoto cup you um, oh, you're right victory. I'm, I'm I'm sorry I'm sorry Craig <laughs> I was, That was a big deal I was there that night as I'll well I have you know <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, we're scrapping around here. There was the Peace cup as well. I think that was another one. But um, yes. yeah, no, I think I think like a lot of people, uh, it's it's been a bit of a long journey. But you know, we stick with it. Like they say, we, we're ch- we're chosen. We don't choose. We're chosen. And uh, yeah, um, sometimes we we curse that. <laughs> <But> it's <laughs> it's 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 good to be. Uh, it's good to be here and and you know all those all those um negative times when it when it goes right like it has been more over the last couple of years it's uh, it's worth it i think so um welcome along guys thanks for thanks for uh thanks for joining me tonight and um yeah we'll 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 crack and we'll start talking about the wolves game who um visited villa park on 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 Saturday evening um Dean Smith's team were looking to recover from um, quite a humiliating defeat at, at Sheffield United um, a few days before. Changes were made and Nakamba and, and Ramsey were replaced by Douglas Louise and, and Morgan Sanson, who, who was making his first start for the club. Trezor Gay also came in to replace Anwar Al who had apparently picked up some sort of injury in training. Jack Grealish... Frustratingly, took his seat in the stands to watch this one. Um, although th- th- there might be better news um, uh, re- revol- involving Jack Grealish um, after the match, uh, as Dean Smith said, he was he was perhaps ready to get, start getting back on the grass this week. So let's hope so. But guys, were you happy with the team selection uh, at the time? Did you think those changes were were were, were good changes at the time?
1: Um, Yeah, I think so. When I first saw the team, I was really disappointed. I I couldn't understand where Al Ghazi was. Obviously, subsequently, we found out he was out uh, with a a toe injury. Um, And I think we actually missed him. But I think that was probably the strongest team available, um, particularly with Ross Barkley, who I know we're going to cover later on being in such poor form. And um, it was great to see Sanson have his first appearance. And I think he did quite well. But in terms of what was available to Dean Smith, I don't think... um, really many of us would have gone too you know too differently maybe we could have had JJ in there instead of Sanson Um, Marvellous probably did need to come out uh, for Douglas um, who's a better progressive passer of the ball but I think for what we have available it was the best we had
2: yeah what about you Dan were you quite happy with the team
0: yeah when i saw the team sheet i was pleased um i've been wanting to see Sanson in the in the team for a while now and and it's good to see him get the start i just, one thing that was telling for me though is it's i think it's the sixth different midfield combination we've had in 12 games and for a team that, that was so solid so dependable and you knew which 11 would be on the team sheet start the season it's it's difficult to see Smith chop and change every week, but I know why he's doing it. Like like every other team, he's trying to find a formula to get some rhythm into those those lads. And yeah, I mean, good to see Samson play. Good to see Louise back, although I'm not sure he had his best game in a Villa shirt. And for me, good to see Trez back. I, I love watching Trez play. He's just kind of heart on his sleeve, running like a madman every week. And I think we've missed his energy in the team. And, and it's good to see him back. Again, didn't have his best game, but I, I just love watching him. I love... Love how he looks like he's going to burst into tears every time the ref gives a decision against him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. He
2: certainly wears his heart on his sleeve, and I, 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 I too enjoy watching him. He can, he can be really frustrating. I think Trezeguet, and you know, I, I wonder whether you know we we were talking last week with us to the next stage. Um, you know, if if that stage is moving up the league uh, towards the top six and the top four, and and maybe Trezeguet is one of those but I, I do think he's got certain attributes which which allow him to um be a really really um good quality squad member um even in a in a in a top side really he's he's someone that can can come in and and do a job and and for all the talk about him missing chances i i still say that without his finishing and his goals we we're, we're a championship team this season so he's one of those kind of um Heroes that I've kind of tagged onto the promotion team, really, because he's he was so important in keeping us keeping us up. Um, and I know some people will will feel um, that he isn't good enough, but um, I, I'm <laughs> I'm a bit of a fan of Trezeguet, I have to say. I, I mean, have a really. S- oh, go ahead, Dan.
0: Thanks, mate. Sorry. Um, I yeah, I like him. I think it's his work rate that I like the most because he, he covers a multitude of sins for others on the pitch. I mean. And I know we're coming on to Barkley, but Barkley's pressing gets singled out a lot. But I don't think that's an issue when Trez is on the pitch. I think Trez kind of, especially down that right, kind of just puts the shift in for us. And uh, as I say, carries a load for the rest of the players on the pitch.
1: I'm really I I do I agree with you. I think well Trezeguet is is difficult. I think Trezeguet might be <laughs> he might be the worst player in the squad. And but but. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But, and on the positive side, the team, and this is about the team, because it's not necessarily about the best 11 individuals. It's about the team. The best team that Aston Villa have put out this season had Trezeguet in it on that right-hand side, I think without doubt. The best football we played, the best results we got came with Trezeguet in the team. So I don't know quite how we balance that because I do think he's, he's seriously limited. Footballer, a, a great energy, great engine, all that stuff, but he really does help the team. So, I mean, I don't have the answer. That's why Dean Smith gets pe- played the big, bu- big bucks, but there is certainly something about him which is infectious, and um, and and you'd like to, you know, you'd like to go to war with him because you know he's just not going to give up.
2: No, absolutely, I, I I totally agree with that. He's got that um, that quality about him, um, and I think in the early stages of of, of this game. Um, his energy, uh, combined with that of um, ollie Watkins' early doors, I think, um, was really important in in getting us a foothold in the in the first half. Um, I mean, he, he, either team had sort of an ex- exchanged periods of possession in in the first few minutes, um, but it was Villa that kind of really sort of pushed on and, and looked to get make the the initial openings, and and Ollie Watkins in particular. Um, was incredibly unlucky um with a, a superb effort which crashed off the crossbar very early on in the game. It was a lovely turn and he took it took it towards the 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 the, the area and, and slammed it off the bar. Um it was actually the seventh time he's hit the woodwork this season. Um and I have sort of been looking at it and trying to work out since then um is it is it good to have an unlucky Centre forward is it? Is that a sign that things can turn and become quite promising, or is it bad news? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm not sure I'd want to be stood next to this guy in a lightning storm at the moment. I think, <laughs> I think he's, um, he's, uh, he's, 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 he's. I love, I love Ollie Watkins. I, I I'm really desperate to do for him to do well. Um, he's obviously people talk about his work rate, but. Um, I just want some of these chances, some of these shots, and, and to go in for him because he, he looks so dejected. But I mean, what 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 do you think, um, Dan? First of all, you know, do you think
0: it's do you think it's going to go go well for him in the end? It, it's such an interesting one, isn't it? And I think that Woodwork stat doesn't even paint the whole picture. I mean, he missed the penalty against West Ham. He's he's been on the receiving end of a couple of dodgy VAR calls. He could have feasibly had an extra five, six goals to his name this year. But but look, I'd I'd rather we have an unlucky player than a player who isn't getting in those positions to score. I think I didn't know much about Watkins when we brought him in. I I wasn't sure. I knew he was a goal scorer, but I wasn't sure what kind of player. And I've been delighted to watch his all-round game. we got a real gem on our hands. and. I mean, look. If, if he was the finished article, he wouldn't be at Villa. With all due respect to him and Villa, we're we're not in that place yet where we're attracting the t- the top top talent. But what I see in his game, and his hold-up, and his shooting, and his work rate, is that he's got what it takes to get to the next level. And in, in Smith, we have a coach who's proven at, at improving pretty much every player he gets in. So, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that next season he's, he scores even half of those chances and, and is up there with the most prolific strikers in the league. But even if he doesn't, again, it's, it's the mark of a good striker. You'd rather he's in the position to miss him than, than isn't in that position at all. I agree with
1: that. I think um, I think that's spot on, Dan. I think that Ollie Watkins is not the finished article. I think it's important to remember this is only his second full season as a striker, and he's in a brand new league and in a brand new team. So um, I had a little bit I had a little bit of a look at Ollie Watkins' numbers. Obviously, the, the work rate goes without saying, you know, n- no one on here, I don't think, or any Villa fan who's being sensible is gonna criticize his work rate. No one works as hard for the team as Ollie Watkins. So Ollie Watkins' xG this season is twelve point four in the Premier League, and he scored ten goals. So he's underperforming on his xG, and his expected assists are four point five, and he's only got three. And he's got a sh- he's got a conversion rate from it for his shots of thirteen point seven percent. So um, for context, Harry Kane is sixteen point eight four percent. So you know that's kind of the elite level. But to echo what Dan says, I think that this is a young man who's only gonna get better. I think you see um, a similar career path with someone like Jamie Vardy who kind of came up through the leagues um, slowly. And Jamie Vardy probably wasn't at his best until you know he was 30 years old and Watkins is only 25. So I still think there's a lot of room to grow. I think that as a finisher, Ollie Watkins is, and I'm gonna get my tin hat on here, ready for the comments. You criticize Ollie Watkins? Uh, but no, as a finisher, right now, the stats say, and I would agree, Ollie Watkins is underperforming. He should have more goals. But the positive thing is I think next season he will have more goals. I've I've said this season, I've had a little wager with my uncle. I said this season, Ollie Watkins for 15 goals in all comps. He's already on 12, so I think that's gonna be a safe bet, which is an excellent return. I think next season he's gonna push twenty goals. I think he's gonna take this year and he's going to come back a different beast next year and I think he can move to the next level but that is all to say he is still underperforming as a finisher this year and and he will and can do better
2: I think yeah absolutely and and, and I think that's really interesting um just having a look at some of those stats in in that context Um and the XG stat in particular sort of stands out because if you say well he's underperforming by by two goals essentially, isn't he? If that, if I yeah. read that right, I'm not. I'm not very good at the XG stuff. But two point four I've, to be if you want to be yeah. particular. Yeah, it's that point four of a goal that we're going to struggle with. <laughs> <coughs> if he's two, if he's two, two goals down on what is expected, I, I think there's there's a case that the two goals that were ruled out for offside by VAR were possibly, you know, could have gone either way, really. Um, so, so maybe there's a case that he he's actually on on some sort of par, but obviously it only counts if it's if it's given, doesn't it? But um, I mean, I I agree with with everything you both of you have said. Really, I think he is the work in progress. I think there is a case for him, um, although the, the work the work rate is 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 top notch, is spot on. Um, I've never seen a striker work as hard as he does for for, for Villa, um, but I'd like it to be a bit more focused, and I'd like it to be a bit more in the penalty area, if you like. And 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 I know that sounds that might sound a bit a bit old fashioned, I suppose, but um, you know, he needs to, he he really does need to focus on on taking those chances and and increasing that shot conversion rate. I would have said, but yeah, I mean after. Eight months or so of, of being a Villa player, I think I have I have absolutely no complaints. I think he's probably performing um, far and away um, above, you know, what I expected. And the fact also that he, I think it's still the case that he hasn't he's played every minute for Villa in the league at least this season, which is which is astonishing for a striker, particularly someone who who does. You know, take the knocks and 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 really kind of, you know, battle with the with the defenders. I think he's 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 really doing an incredible job. And um, I
1: yeah. I, yeah. I I whenever anyone says that stat, I'm like, okay, it sounds really nice, but actually that's really bad for Aston Villa. It's yes, it's great that he can play every minute. Yeah, but he should not be playing every no. minute. You know, no. he should. He should be able to take a breather 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there, maybe even be, he should there should be a, a rotation option for him so he can maybe some games off the bench because um, even if he physically can do it, you know, mentally, emotionally, it's, you know, it's training, you know, and um, it'll be interesting to see what happens after the international break when presumably Wesley will be, to coin a Steve Bruce phrase, a phrase there or thereabouts.
2: It's interesting usually, to it's see usually when the daffodils come up, isn't it? <laughs> oh, when the daffodils come
1: up, yeah. Well, after the international break, when we are when the daffodils are coming up, and Wesley's there or thereabouts, it will be interesting to see what that what what that means. Now, obviously, we don't know what kind of condition Wesley's going to be in. Maybe Wesley won't even be ready until next season. Who knows? Or you know, maybe Wesley is. Um, we will. There's lots of question marks around that. But if Wesley is fit, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Watkins.
0: I think Wesley gives us a real headache. I think um, we clearly need a backup for Watkins. We clearly need a whether it's a Plan B or just someone to take the weight off of him. Um, and we invested heavily in Wesley. The problem is, I don't know how you see what you've got with him. The injury was so severe, and and the return to action has been so long. And you don't want to rush him back either. So does that mean he gets a run of games before the end of the season, so we see what we what we've got with him, and then? if he plays well then obviously that's great news we've got a backup striker but if not you're talking about investing heavily again on another top draw striker and and essentially giving up on Wesley after spending what 26 million or whatever it was a couple of seasons ago on him it's uh, it's a really interesting situation to be in i feel for i feel for both wesley and dean smith i mean we all wanted another striker brought in and I, I understand fully why we didn't but yeah i think this summer could could pose a real headache for smith and and the rest of the recruitment
2: I think there's been quite, obviously, quite a lot of um, transfer talk, and I think it's it might be a little bit early for transfer talk um, just yet. Um, But there's always rumours around Tammy Abraham, of course, and you know, (laughs) uh, he's again, he's he's one of those promotion heroes. Um, I still feel personally that he's part of the club (laughs) that he's there somewhere in the club and he's he's obviously etched his name into the history of the club by you know scoring all those goals and you know breaking that record that was there for so long um but you know there's obviously the talk of well if Tammy Abraham was to come in then then what does that mean for Ollie Watkins and and vice versa you know does Tammy Abraham want to be in a position where he might not be the first choice I think he would be the first choice if he came in but you know it's 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 an interesting debate and it's almost that it's it's part of that transition I think into the from from the mid table or the bottom half of the premier league into the heading towards the top 6 it's that ruthlessness to say well it's not about whether you know we're upsetting early watkins or whether Tammy Abraham doesn't think he'll get enough games. It's about those play, players being part of the, a big club and a squad that is, you know, that, that can kind of um, evolve and, and regenerate over, over time and over a season or over a number of seasons. And I think, I think, I would certainly be be very much in favor of of bringing in not necessarily tam, Tammy Abraham as such but, but another striker that would would be a genuine competition for Watkins. I don't know what you guys think about that.
1: Well, I think that will happen. I think that um I think that what we could see with Wesley or Tammy Abraham or whoever comes in the, in, in the in the in the summer because I'm sure regardless Villa are going to sign another striker. I think we might see um as we did at the end of the Wolves game Ollie Watkins move to one of the wings. And um, I think that he looked really good on the left wing. Obviously, that's a, a position that he's played, he's familiar with. And if Jack is in the number 10 role, uh, you would have no problem with having a front free of, of Abraham, uh, uh, Watkins and Troyore, for example, or or our friend the workhorse Trezeguet, um, you know that would that you know that would be great. So I think Watkins has the because he's a fluid player. You know he can play across the front three. It's, it's not necessarily either or. And I think we saw when San Sun signed, there was lots of hand ringing amongst the Villa fan base. Well, who's he here to replace? Who's he here to replace? He's not here to replace anyone. He's here to build the squad and provide competition for places. No one, unless their name is Jack Grealish and or Emmy Martinez, um, probably Enconza and Mings. No one, no one. You know, other than your star players, no one should have a divine right really to walk into that team. And uh, there should be there should be pressure on Watkins. There should be pressure on Barkley, as there has been. There should be pressure on all the players perform, or you or you take a seat on
0: the bench. I think you make a good point. I mean, uh, you know. Samson's a prime example. Who's he going to replace? We're we're almost as the mindset of Villa fans. I can't remember the last time we had a squad crammed full of quality players. Could name you a starting 11 of quality players, but not a squad. So we're almost not used to this idea of having strength and depth, and I think we still don't have it now. So it's, you talk about, oh, you know, what if we had Abraham and Watkins, who will we choose up front? It's a great situation to be in. Who wouldn't want to be in a situation like that? And I think it shows how much we've come on as a club, that we're not just talking about starting 11 Anymore, but we're starting to dream about squad depth and having two quality strikers, and and who would play with who, and how would it work? And yeah, I, I agree. I, I enjoyed watching Watkins play on the left, even if it was a brief cameo, and I'd like to see that a little bit more as well because his his work rate work rate like really translates to the left hand side as a, as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, obviously, you know, we could we'll perhaps talk a bit more about uh, about squad depth as we as we go through today um i think uh, obviously getting back to the game um <laughs> we d- we d- <laughs> we did we did dominate um, most of the first half and um we we got into the into some some good positions and and, and really early again in the in the game about 15 minutes we it was a, a nice nice little free kick sort of touched down the left-hand side and um trail rate you know, in a, quite a lot of space, whipped a lovely ball into the box, which Edriconza um sort of controlled and then slammed against the, the bar, I think, or the or the post. Um it was a really good opportunity. I think it has to go down as a as a mischance, even though there was an element of, of misfortune about it. Um Dan, I know I know you wanted to sort of pick up on, on Ezriconza and, you know, perhaps what what the future holds for him, particularly in, in the case of um Gareth Southgate's England plans um either before the Euros or, or, or later on.
0: Yeah, I think firstly on that Consa chance, where's Tyrone Mings to deflect it in when you need him? It's uh, <laughs> that's what we need to set up from all corners from now on. But yeah, Consa has been fantastic. I think he he's up there with Matt Target as our most improved player this year. And what I love about him is You hardly notice him in a game. He's not a chest-thumping, last-ditch tackle kind of guy. He just glides around the pitch, snuffing out danger when it's there, and looks like he barely breaks a sweat during the course of 90 minutes. And and that's class. And I think, on form, probably the best English centre-back in the league right now. It's hard to think of anyone who's performing better than him. Will that translate to a spot in the Euros? I think, I'm not sure. It's maybe a bit too soon for him to catch Gareth Southgate's eye, but... I tell you one thing that I love, and it's I could imagine England starting centre back duo being Villa starting centre back duo, and to, to even be in a position to make a case for that argument is is kind of crazy to me. I think him and Mings are a great partnership, that that really nice balance between power, aerial ability, and pace, and yeah, I, I'm delighted we've got him because, and I hope we tie him up to a longer longer term contract soon because I think he's he's going to be class for, for years to come now.
1: Yeah, he's he's an absolute Rolls Rolls Royce of a player. I think um, you, you you bang on. I think that the one thing probably in um, in his in Konza's favour is that he has been with all the England youth groups. He's won youth caps and he's also won trophies um, at the with the young England underage teams. And Gareth Southgate loves that pathway. Gareth Southgate loves bringing players through. So I think that augurs well for him. But I think that he's undeniably going to be I think he will be England's first choice centre-back probably within three or four years probably by the next um, major tournament um, whether it comes this season or not I don't know and and, and you know I, I, I think it almost doesn't matter I think that Konza is going to get there for sure I think that uh, allegedly Portugal are sniffing around because he has Portuguese heritage so that might accelerate things but yeah I, I think Dan's absolutely right in terms of improvement Um, you know this lad um, came in and um, where he is now and also you know Dean Smith keeps saying he has not hit his ceiling yet Conza still has a lot lot a long long way to go and um, it's really exciting to have him at Villa and hopefully yes we can tie him down because for sure the Sharks will come circling soon enough because he's that that good
2: yeah I I I totally echo you know what, what? What you both said. I think the the thing I really like about him is he's always looks angry. <laughs> he always looks miserable, <laughs> and um, and and that's a great thing. You know, it's it's a great thing. He just doesn't. He's he's never resting. He's never. He's always tuned in. He's always. Um, clearly, him and Mings have a have a. You know that the, Mings is is the top dog. You know, in terms of perhaps the organisation side. But I can see. I, I think I think Konza probably on talent and ability um, is probably ahead of Mings um, in that respect, and they just make a a wonderful a wonderful partnership. You, you never feel like you're going to get caught out as such um, with, with with either of those two. And I know there was a long period of time during the, the, the start of the season where you know Konza wasn't. No one had dribbled, dribbled past him. I think that's changed now, but I mean that's that's you know that that is a kind of Van Dyke kind of trait, isn't it? Where you know, and it's a bit it's a bit kind of lost in the modern game. I think that that idea that that defenders um, can be like a brick wall in front of their their goal, and um, he's, he is just going to get better and better, isn't he? If he can stay injury free, you know, and he can he can kind of keep keep progressing and and keep his keep his head level as well I think that's that's important um I certainly hope we 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 get him tied down to a a contract because I'd hate it for I mean I could I could very easily see Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool coming in and, and just whisking him away um um, and i'm sure he's, that', that he's, would he's be better a than that, that mid table outfit <laughs> <laughs> well certainly at the minute yeah i mean I, these 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 whoever they 've got playing at the back for them at the moment is uh is certainly not cutting the mustard but um and in terms of in terms of england i 'm sure he'll get his opportunity i think at the minute with with stones and Maguire in such good form that would be the the the, the, the main partnership but I mean, it'd be lovely to to go to the Euros with Stones and Maguire as the first choice, and Konsa and Mings as the backup. That would be that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? As as Villa fans, and and maybe even Matty Target as well. That'd be well. Don't forget, Gareth
1: Southgate likes to play eighteen de- defenders, so you know he's, he's got a chance. True, true, and a lot, de- a lot does a, a back on. five and two defensive midfielders. <laughs> But I know this isn't an England <laughs> podcast, but you know yeah, that yeah. <laughs> that's probably a conversation yeah. for a different day. Maybe we'll do a yeah. euro uh, preview special
2: <gasps> yeah, <summer>. absolutely certainly <laughs> if we've got a few if we've got a few players um in the squad, I think that might be a might be a, a thing we
0: have to think about doing definitely but um it's something to make you proud as a villa fan though I can't remember the last time we had this many. England-eligible players or players that were knocking on the door. There's always been one or two. There's a a Gareth Barry kicking around or someone like that. But I honestly can't remember the last time we had so many players who, who could be named and it's nice and i think again it's testament to to dean and co kind of in charge we're improving every player that comes into the club and i think cons is a prime example of that targets a prime example of that who knows where matty cash will be next year given how good he's been this year it's you know that's what excites me we got these players who are performing now but they're all young and they're all, all a squad that seems to seems to want to develop together and I don't know maybe it's it's kind of rose tinted specs but for even if Liverpool came calling that Dean Smith factor and working every day with a coach that wants to improve you and has history with you I think could go a long, long way in our favour but I mean that's a villa fan talking and it's a lot easier to say that when you're not being offered a chance to play for Liverpool I
2: think it's a bit it would be a big move for him to turn down um but but like you say you know it might be that he he would see that as being being too early and and Dean Smith has has somehow managed to keep Jack Grealish at the club um, through through um, a, you know a couple of years of, of being continuously linked linked away from the club. So so maybe and and, and the players within the club can see can, can feel it, can't they? They, they understand you know um, the atmosphere and the way that the club is building and the way that the way things are changing and the direction that things are going in. They 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 can feel that comfort. Um, that that would bring we were talking about the academy last week and it's things like that where players look at that sort of thing and they think actually this is this is going somewhere um, and you know he, he could he could leave and go to Liverpool and Villa could 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 end up in the top four next season you you, you just don't know do you And and you know I would like you I would um, definitely advise him to stay where he is for now um, and continue his progression Um, so obviously um, uh, getting back to the game again uh, Villa went into the break um, by far the more confident I would say and probably unlucky not to be at least a goal ahead Um, however the second half was, was a very different story um, Wolves I think as expected came out strong and succeeded in pushing Villa back and I think Adama Traore and Neto on the flanks were were a big part of that um I mean they just couldn't really create anything too too substantial apart from you know to, a couple of chances for for Cody and, and the, the amazing um uh, open goal miss um by the the other chap which i can't remember his name at the moment uh, which size, is i think roman size S- size yeah that's it um, which was which was astonishing really um it seems you know perhaps since the covid break really i think v- we have struggled to put a 90 minute performance together and you know obviously relying on martinez again i, I mean the, the save from 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 Cody was 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 absolutely Heroic, and we'll talk about Martinez a bit later. Um, but what do we attribute these sort of second half drop-offs to? Um, you know, is it an issue with squad depth? Is it part of the the reaction to the COVID situation? Um, you know, are, are we just are we just short of fitness? Is it is Jack Grealish? Is that having a bigger bigger impact than we than we think? Sort of over a ninety minutes. Um, you know, what, what, what do you put it down to? I think all
1: of the above. I mean, I think, you know, it's probably more nuanced than we than we know. Um, we still, we know that I think at least 10 members of the first team bubble were infected with, with COVID. We know that COVID, um, you know, has long-term effects. I think certainly you've seen with St. Maximum at Newcastle, who's a player that we know had uh, long COVID. Who just has not been the same we don't know who other than Matt Target I think came out and said that he had it but other than that we don't know who had it how bad they had it and we don't know um, what the kind of medical conditions are maybe that is uh, what happened to Barkley I don't know we you know we're going to talk about Barkley later on so I mean you know lots of this is, is 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 guesswork but I think what we can say for sure and I said the same thing on the last podcast is I don't think Aston Villa have even played well really other than the first 45 minutes against Burnley, or at least not played well, maybe that's um, too broad, but not played to their full potential other than the kind of first half against Burnley since that COVID outbreak. I think that lots of the players are tired. I think that not changing the team around earlier on has caught up with with us a little bit. And um, players like Dougie, they're not, I wouldn't say he's struggling, but he's not quite, you know, he's not quite at the races. you know, similar things could be said for John McGinn, who's 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 been up and down as well. He's he's not quite where he was. So I think there's a lot there's a lot of things going on. But you do worry about the the squad depth, and you do think that when we are are down a few players as we are now, we're down a few, quite a few players. You look at what is there underneath, and lots of these players are kind of championship high, upper championship, lower Premier League level. Which means if you 're trying to push for top eight and top seven in europe they're not they 're just not going to cut the mustard, which is really difficult to um, you know it 's really difficult for us to, for us to maintain the, the, the form that 's why I think we win one lose one draw one win one lose one draw one uh, we just don 't have the squad depth to to compete at the top end of the Premier League as yet
0: I think it's a good point and I think COVID's an interesting thing to pick up on, not just when, when our team have it, but across the league. I think you're looking outside of City. Every team is struggling for rhythm at the moment. Everyone's kind of picking up a result here, dropping one there that you'd think. And there just seems to be a real lack of energy across the league right now. I caught a bit of the United-Crystal Palace game, which was one of the snooziest 90 minutes of football I've ever seen. And it's. I think what we're seeing is... It's partly such a condensed preseason that means the players didn't really get the fitness work they'd normally get. But also teams are operating in a vacuum right now i mean normally second half you're feeling a bit leggy you've got the crowd there to roar you on you've got that inspiration that comes from performing in front of an audience and they just don't have that and i think it's it's not just a villa problem right now but second halves across the league are are pretty stale and i think it's it's a unique challenge for for teams during lockdown and kind of you know closed stadiums to work out how you get players up for a game because It it just looks harder than it ever has been before. The one thing I would say though is, we're not playing well in the second halves, but we're grinding out clean sheets, which is a nice habit to be in. Last year, when we didn't play well, we conceded three or four in 10 minutes. This year, we're, we're giving up chances and mixture of luck and judgment. We're holding on to that clean sheet. So, you know, even though we're not playing well, and, and I'd agree with Craig, I don't think we've played well this year. Like, uh, maybe the first 45 minutes against Burnley, maybe the first 45 minutes here, but we're still grinding something out with players who clearly aren't at peak fitness so there's there's at least a silver lining to these bad performances
2: yeah and i suppose we can we can look ahead now there'll be um, an international break presumably um in a couple of weeks time you know and that that will then give give players maybe a chance just to reset the ones that at least the ones that aren't having to go away for international duty and i know i think south america have cancelled their their internationals so so that's that 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 would do us good i think in, certainly in terms of um Dougie and, and martinez but it might just give us an opportunity to to reset a little bit um and have a little bit of a mini a mini version of lockdown last year maybe and 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 um and, and look at sort of you know where we're going with things um it might do a sort do do the whole the whole squad um some good um but I mean, you know, picking up on the on the on the point about um, about squad depth, it's a, it's it's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because you know, as we've just talked about previously, when you when you try and increase your squad depth, you know, you, you obviously you're trying to bring through better players all the time, or, or or improve the players you have to a certain level. And I think I think Dean Smith has has certainly done that with with the likes of. Players we've seen come in this season and do a good job like Nakamba and Courtney Hawes, um, have, have both kind of, you know, stepped up to and 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 where Algazi obviously as well, you know, he's 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 also in that category. But ultimately, it's about sort of signing better players than the ones you have, and you get into that sticky situation again about well, you know, do 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 you, do you decide when do you decide that McGinn isn't cutting it and we need someone better than him or mings you know or or watkins or or, or whoever so it's a, it's a really difficult balance isn't it to 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 increase those to improve that those that that level underneath that the, the first team um what 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 do you i mean craig craig what what do you kind of make of of that what do you think about that
1: i think you throw down the gauntlet to the players i think you say to the players um you know, this is not, um, I think Aston Villa in, in its recent history has been a kind of reti- a retirement home. It's been a rehab facility for kind of, you know, lost toys. You think, ah, there we are, it's a nice payday. We, you know, it's, it's comfortable living. Um, it's not that anymore. It's like, okay, we we are pushing, the, the owner has been very clear and they said it from the beginning. Um, so it's not like they've just piped up now that we're doing well. They said it when we, when they took over, when we were, you know, in the championship under old Brucey. Um we want to be a top six Premier League club, and we're going to put things in place to do that. So, I think you put the gauntlet down to the players. You you say to John McGinn, you know, I I love Basuma, for example, at Brighton. You know, if we sign a player like Basuma and say, look, lads, the shirts are up for grabs, and that and then it means that players like uh, McGinn or, or Trezeguet and and people like that, it's sink or swim. Either step up to the level we're going to, or or you know, you're, you're going to play elsewhere, and it's not. And 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 you create that competition and some players will thrive on that and they will they'll climb different levels and, and do things they've never done before. And other players will kind of wilt and they'll be they'll be moved along. And um I think we've almost seen that with with Engels actually within our own um within our own team. Engels came in as first choice and everyone was saying, Oh, this guy's great. Look at him, him and Mings, nice, decent partnership. This guy's a bargain, he's gonna go on and play for Belgium. Uh, you know, form and fitness issues, cons has come up. Engels hasn't had a sniff and that's how it can now he, now he might be moved along you know that's how it can change Cons has taken Engels shirt and said you're not having this back and that is what we need in every position we need players who are going to step up and who are going to demand to be in the team and say take my shirt from me if you can
2: and, I, and then and I guess you know it's how you it's how you go about that isn't it and you know it's always for me it's always about you, you improve the first 11 every summer. You, you make two or three signings that are going to improve that first 11 and everything else drops down. And that that then in turn kind of improves the um, the quality that you have on your bench. But also we've, we're in a situation perhaps where it's coming the other way as well through the academy, you know, and some of these players, you know, Phil and Jeannie Bid- Bidess was on the bench um on on Saturday, we've had Chuck Omecha on the bench. We've had um, Kessler Hayden on the bench. Obviously, Louis Barry um, is everyone's favourite, and he he will be involved probably next season. I would think he'll be he'll be in the first team if he's not out on loan, or the first team squad, I should say, if he's not out on loan. So, you know, there's there's several several ways of doing it, I suppose. And you know, it's 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 a it's a really for me, it's a really difficult balance. Um, you know. Once you get to a certain level in the Premier League, is how you then get to the next level. You can get from the middle of the Championship to the middle of the Premier League fairly easily with a, with a reasonable tailwind. It's when you have to take that next couple of places, and you know, even even I remember back in Randy Lerner's day with with Martin O'Neill, that was something they found incredibly difficult. Is how do you get from sixth to fifth? You know, that's potentially another 100 million or 150 million and even more nowadays so it's um it's incredibly uh, incredibly difficult balance to to achieve really um but i mean just to finish off with the wolves game you know late on um we had a chance amazingly after after a backs to the wall for the whole 45 minutes we had we had a, a chance to take the points and uh first of all Watkins um had a shot blocked only to see uh, Ezri Konza um blaze the rebound um wide um as he volleyed it you know really late on it probably overall felt like a point gained or at least a fair result on the balance of the two halves um and of course we've now reached the the magical 40 point mark um only twelve games to go, but um, to reach forty points at this stage is, is, you know, I think something to be celebrated. Or do we do we think maybe that this is a just a minimum requirement for the squad?
0: Yeah, it's it's quite something in there. And um, I've been on a WhatsApp group with a bunch of mates of mine all season, and I've been counting down to the forty point mark, which maybe shows where my brain is as a Villa fan. But last season, we we can't forget we we finished. Just outside the relegation zone on the last day of the season, on 35 points, like we we were lucky to still be in the league. So to start the season, if you'd have offered me safety with 12 games to go, I'd have I'd have ripped your hands off for it. It's uh, it's a sign of how far we've come, and and I think it's a great achievement and one that should be celebrated. Of, of course, the start of the season had us all dreaming about Europe. Who wouldn't? But but realistically, a mid-table finish is is a hell of an achievement, and it's I think the, the most impressive thing for me is it looks like sustainable progression we haven't had a flash in the pan sixth place finish I'm thinking Ipswich back in the day finished so high up and got relegated the next season or even Sheffield United this season we look like we're slowly building on what we have and it it looks like solid foundations and yeah we're safe with 12 to play who knows how far we can go but the, the one thing I think we know now is we'll be playing in this division again next year and that's a good thing in my book.
1: Yeah, it is a really good thing. I think lots of the experts and lots of the pundits, you know, in the in the pre-Premier um, League season predictions had us going down, asked the Villa to be relegated. Some people with us bottom of the league um, based on last season. And I think the way we've kicked on, uh, the, the signings that we've made, and um, bearing in mind, lots of those signings were written off. I mean, Villa Twitter was full of Why are we signing all these players from the championship? Ah, We don't need a right back. Ah, You know, there was lots of uh, disquiet, shall we say. Sign a a striker, FFS. Um, So all that stuff was raging during the summer. And, um, you know, the players that we signed, Martinez, uh, unproven, um, had a great end to the season at Arsenal. Now uh, we're going to talk about Martinez, an incredible signing. Ross Barkley on loan was very astute in the beginning. We're going to talk about Ross Barkley in a second. Ollie Watkins is ever improving. And again, I'm putting my neck on the line here. 20 goals next season for Ollie Watkins. And um, obviously Matty Cash, you know. Lots of people didn't think we'd be the right back. Dean Smith did, and Dean Smith was right. So uh, some really incredible progress that we've made and um to be safe with 12 games to play is really important for the for the for the fabric of the club this is a premier league club and one thing that uh, the chief exec christian Perslow said is that you ha- you can't really start competing in the premier league until you've been in there for at least three years just because just because of the ffp and catching up on wages of where everyone else is We are going to have those three years in the Premier League now. So I think it's really all goes well for what we can do in the summer. And um, as Dan said, I think this is sustainable growth. I think that um, there's going to be no danger of relegation next season. Hopefully the seasons to come and we can look upwards rather than downwards, which is really a far cry from where we were just two years ago.
2: So it's all to be celebrated absolutely and it is it is those foundations i mean the the club just feels in 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 an incredible position doesn't it with the with the owners and and obviously with Perslow, um who um you know i'm not sure i'd want to go out for a beer with him but um he's he's you know he's certainly <laughs> not unless he's he's paying. Ser- <laughs> well yeah if he's buying the rounds then that's fine but he's he's certainly someone who um i he's, he's I have incre- incredible confidence in him in, in running the club day to day. Um so it, it just feels it just feels really good and the 40 point mark, you know, this is something we haven't done for so long. You know, this is something that's 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 even those last sort of two or three years in the Premier League before, it just it just didn't happen, did it? And you know, we've we we've we've done it, we've we've kind of thrown that that monkey of being a, a um you know a lower league premier league team off our back and um it just looks like we're going to we are going to progress now i'm not i'm not writing off a top 6 finish but i think and it, you, of course you 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 you'd take that you'd absolutely take that now but i think it, it's something that that maybe it would have been a, li- a little bit too early um this season for that um you know, we touched on on last week, you know, if you if you make it into the Europa League, you know, we've got a relatively small, inexperienced squad. Suddenly you're in a position where you have to go and sign, rather than signing two or three players, you know, to, to take you on to the next level in the Premier League, you're having to sign maybe seven or eight players to, to give you a reasonable chance um of of not completely burning out um over the two competitions. So I think it's um, yeah. I mean, I, I'd, I'd love an eighth place. I think eighth would be brilliant. I think that that persuades people like Jack Grealish, Ezri Konsa, and, and Douglas Luiz. Maybe even that that we that we're going somewhere and we we will then be able to to compete and bring in better players that can that can take us two or three places higher in the league. So. Um, yeah 40 points is a big is a big one for me and when I saw it I hadn't realized to be honest because I don't really look at the table too much but um you know when i saw the 40 points next to us i was like wow that's that's really nice to see it's just it was just, a, it was just a, a, a great thing to to say on saturday night
0: it's a rare feeling to feel relaxed as a villa fan now i think you're right even we've been looking over our shoulders for so long in the premier league and then in the championship wondering if we were going to make the playoffs or get promoted it's there's something to be said for mid-table mediocrity. Not that we've been mediocre whatsoever, but I'll take a relaxed end to the season where I don't have to live through that final game against West Ham again. I'm, I'm not sure my blood pressure could take it. That, yeah, That's assuming... Sorry, go on. Yeah, it's it's
1: it, it's been tough. I think that um, uh, the last... I think every year, apart from our first year of the Championship... Um, In the last few years, we've had something riding on the last game of the season, right? We had two playoff finals and and last year we stayed up, you know, on the last day of the season, um, thanks to a draw at West Ham. So, you know, there could still be something riding on the last game of the season for Aston Villa this year, but for it to be a potential European qualification, rather than uh,
2: (laughs) oblivion in the championship again, is (laughs) certainly a welcome change. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I, t- I totally agree, and uh, you know, it's 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 just nice to be at that end of the league, isn't it? And that end of the the football pyramid, really, r- rather than sort of scrapping around, you know, des- with desperation. I, I, I describe. I, I really enjoyed our years, couple of years in the championship. Oh dear! But it was desperate. It was it. It was it was <laughs> like gritted teeth every week. This has we have to win this game, and it it was. You know it was fun at times and and we had some good times and you know much much beer was consumed at Wembley for two years but but you know it wasn't it wasn't what I would call pleasant or and maybe that's not what you want from following a football club but sometimes you need you need the heart rate to drop a little bit um so you can engage in normal life as well and uh you know it's 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 good that um you know this season we're, we're going to have that. And, yeah, I'd love it if, if we have to beat Chelsea on the last day of the season to uh, to qualify for the, the Europa Conference or whatever it's called uh, next season, then I'll be I'll be more than happy. Um, just getting on to um, something maybe a little bit less positive is the uh, it feels like we have to, again, discuss Mr Ross Barkley. Um, he came on... Um, and the second half replaced Morgan Sanson who who looked like he he picked up a bit of a knock um and slotted into um the number eight position, sort of just a bit more withdrawn from what his usual number ten role. Um so he's probably not entirely suited to that. Um I mean looking back, you know, he just seemed like a, such a positive signing for the club, someone that can take us on to the next level. Um, that level of quality of player that we've perhaps not been able to attract for a a good number of years, um, going back to O'Neill's time, really. Um, But it seems like his loan is in danger of really fizzling out and and becoming quite forgettable. Um, I mean, Craig, where do you see this going? Um, And is there any chance, do you think, that he could convince Villa to sign him permanently over the next 12 games?
1: Uh, yes, uh, there is a chance, but I think the trajectory doesn't look good. I think that, um, I'm, you know, I, I try and look at the wider context and not have too much recency bias, but his performances since his hamstring injury, I think have been, it would be kind for me to call them poor. I think that that's a nice way to say it. Um, and looking at him, you know, on Saturday against Wolves, you know, his major contribution was to put a wonderful assist through for Connor Cody to nearly <laughs> put us one nil down. I mean, that was his notable contribution and that's that's the truth. Yeah. And um, I, and again, we, we had the COVID discussion earlier, earlier and I'm not gonna make light of it. Um, you know, I don't know what's going on with Ross Barkley. I don't know if he had COVID and he just, you know his lungs aren't working properly. I know he's asthmatic as well. I don't know. Um, if he's got the, the kind of Michael Owen thing, I think Michael Owen came out last year and did a very candid interview and said, um, you know, he was scared of running, you know, because of his hamstrings, he just knew he was going to tear something. So he would never sprint, he would avoid certain things. And, um, you know, because he knew his body couldn't do it. So it has that hamstring injury, you know, psychologically really damaged Ross Barkley to the point where he doesn't believe that he can go full tilt because his hamstring is going to go on him. I think his hamstring just went against Brighton, uh, you know, taking a free kick. So I want to give him the benefit of the doubt as much as I can. and And I will couch everything I say and I don't know what's going on, but clearly there is something going on. Clearly he is way off it. And whether that's physical, emotional, a combination of the both or medical, I don't know. But in this circumstance, Aston Villa cannot sign Ross Barkley, even if it was, I mean, unless it was on a free transfer, really then maybe you take the punt on the wages because he's making about 120 a week you know which is a lot of money for us I think he's our second highest player uh, second highest paid player after Jack Grealish so he is supposed to be our person who steps in when Jack is out and he becomes the talisman and he's been um, he's been an albatross Um, I hope he can turn it around in the next 12 games but judging on his recent performances i've seen nothing to suggest that he can recapture that early season form so um i think he has to go back to chelsea on that basis
0: i really feel for the guy i mean uh, the hamstring injury was uh, was a real sliding doors moment he just seemed to be picking up form picking up fitness and, and i think he was getting what he wanted out of the low move which was a chance to prove himself get a shot in the england set up for the euros kind of really get his career track back on track but that hamstring injury has just derailed him, and I think derailed Villa too. And I think the one thing I disagree with Craig on is that I'm not sure we were ever in the market to sign him. I think if he'd have had a great season, he'd have been out of our price range. And I think if he had a bad season, as you say, he's he's too too expensive, doesn't really fit the Villa model these days. So so in that regard, he may have been a bullet dodged because we we know he's kind of injury prone. But but I do feel for the guy because This was clearly a move intended to to reignite his career. And and I mean, it's a bit unfair that he's come in for some flack from, from Villa fans. I mean, we know fans will give players flack anyway, but... It's uh, the hamstring injury and COVID. It's just been a, a nightmare for him, and they, you know th- there is that slide indoors moment, as I say, where he doesn't get that injury and we continue playing that exciting football. But the thing it showed me is there's a need for a ten at the club beyond Jack, and I think that he's even if we don't sign Barclays, set the template for a player that we'll look to sign in the summer. And something something that was um,
2: a comment that was made, I think, initially by um, one of our, our friends. Um, at the, at the Birmingham Mail, James Rushton, who was saying that he felt that maybe Barkley was almost a template loan signing where he might be brought in on loan so we can essentially find out what we need from that type of player and, and then go into the market in another way um, and and sign a similar type of player. Um, I guess this kind of thing happens a lot and happens you know, all the time. I think sometimes, you know, that kind of approach doesn't take account for the, the actual individual, the person, and what they bring. But uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting idea that maybe he's he's a player that has been brought in to kind of almost elevate us to another a new level. But we're not actually going to use him after that. We're going to go out and find someone someone else to to. To play in that in that kind of role, and maybe that's was always the the, the option. Although I think if 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 he'd have managed to continue um, his form that he was in without getting injured, um, he he could have been that man as well. He could have been the the, the player we turned to. And so who who knows?
1: Well, there were rumours that that he was going to be in that England squad, you know, yeah. just before he got injured, that he was, he had made, you know, that's, I mean, that's why I say I try not to have too much recency bias because he was, you know, his performance against Arsenal, you know, against Liverpool that, um, you know, he's getting the ball, he's charging at defenders. He's, he, he put one past, I think it was it Andy Robertson or no, put one past Van Dyke. Van Dyke kicks him in the air, Ross Barkley sprinting through we're not that that player is not there at this moment in time so you know it, it hasn't been a complete disaster it hasn't been a, a Danny Drinkwater <laughs> um but it because he has certainly contributed you know he, he got the winner at uh, Leicester he got the winner at uh, Southampton uh contributed heavily towards the win at Arsenal so it has not been a complete disaster uh, by any means but you know um to sign him would be difficult, and and going back to your point about Ashley Priest, I read the article as well, and Rob McKenzie apparently did the same thing at Leicester with Cambiasso, and then they were able to model Cambiasso and find Ndidi who's a who's a top defensive midfielder. So if they're if they're doing a similar thing here, you know, I'm excited to see who our new number ten is coming through the door. Hopefully, it's Emmy. Oh, I
0: love Wendy. <laughs> I was looking at the championship table the other day doing a bit of fantasy uh, fantasy shopping. And uh, the problem is with Norwich coming up, I'm not sure we'll get Buendia. But I was looking, there's there's still names down there, like David Brooks at Bournemouth, who's had an off-season with injury, but could be a kind of player in that mould. And I think you're right, it excites me that we seem to have a plan for the transfer around him. Like Barkley wasn't the answer, he's a step towards the answer. And yeah, he's he shows us what an extra creative player does to that team. And, and I think it's no surprise that we've looked a lot stodgier going forwards without him in the team.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I
0: think the, the thing that strikes me about
2: Barkley um, is just how, how different he is to the other players in terms of when, you know, when, when say, Matt Cash or when John McGinn or, or, um, or Ollie Watkins have an off day, they're still a five or a six, you know. They're still putting in a, a shift, you know. Barkley has been putting in twos and threes, really, and I know we don't usually go that low with player ratings, but, um, you know, they have been because he's just been totally ineffectual on the team, and you know, it's it's um, it's 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 such a shame to see because I I mean I, I've yeah as we do we follow these players as England fans as well, and he was such a bright hope. Um, for England and obviously Everton at the time, and he just looked like the next Paul Gascoigne, and he was going to be a mainstay in that England squad or that England team, and 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 have have a great career. But it's injuries, maybe it's maybe a bit of attitude, maybe a bit of something else. We don't know, but. You know, and 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 as Craig says, we can't fully judge because we don't we don't know all the ins and outs. But it's such a shame to see him struggling and um, you know, trying hard. I think, but just not 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 getting the rewards and not getting the the, the you know the touch on things really, which is which is such a shame. Um, but I mean, moving on to to someone who certainly isn't in that category. It just feels like every week we have to talk about Emi Martinez, um, another incredible match-saving performance um, from the Argentine goalkeeper. who still hasn't played for Argentina, by the way, so he, he could he could switch to England um, if, if we're in the market for a keeper. Um, he's just been an incredible signing so far, hasn't he? And, it always sort of, um, it, I'm always a bit. It's always a bit jarring, I think, when a, a goalkeeper wins Man of the Match or, or, or even worse, Player of the Season. You know, it, it's kind of says something about the team at times if you if you pick your goalkeeper um, for these kind of honours. But there's just an inevitability about it with him because, you know, it's not like Villa are defending badly or playing badly, but this guy is just pulling out save after save after save, and he's he's. You know, dominating his penalty area. Um, you know, just a couple of questions, really, just 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 for fun. But you know, first of all, where do you where do you rate him in the in the Premier League? But also, have you ever seen a better Villa goalkeeper in the years you've been you've been watching us?
1: Well, I think um, Emi Martinez has been an incredible signing. I mean, I think that um, where does he rate in the Premier League? You know, towards the top for sure. I think that. Um, Edison um you know has slightly better numbers but he's Edison also has far less to do. Um you know they say they used to say about you know David Seaman and um Peter Schmeichel back in the day. I'm not, I'm not comparing him directly with those players. Uh, just as a, as an example that you know a goalkeeper like that is worth 10 points a season. And Ebi Martinez is has already probably been worth 10 points for Aston Villa this season and maybe even more. So what is your rate in, in, in the Premier League? I think on form, he might be the, the best in the league right now. Um, that doesn't mean um, that uh, Edison, Allison, etc. aren't great goalkeepers. It just means that on form right now, I think there's no one better, certainly, than Martinez. And uh, also just the command that he has. He comes out, he catches everything, he claims everything. Um, and he's um, And what I really enjoyed about him was the fury on his face at the end of that Wolves game. You can see he was disgusted that we had drawn nil-nil and that's what I like to see I like that I like that he's going I hope well I imagine he went back into the dressing room I like to imagine he went back into the dressing room and gave them read them the riot act you know what the hell do you think this is kind of thing because he's a winner and he wants to be at the top end of the Premier League and he you know he will be hopefully you know with Villa um, have I seen a better goalkeeper I mean it's really you know I think Martinez has only played 20 games obviously Brad Friedel Mark Bosnich um you know David James, even um, you know other than the cup final, you know was a very good Premier League goalkeeper. For Aston Villa, uh, you know Michael Oakes way back in the day was was solid. I he's not the best, but I
0: don't know why I said Michael Oakes. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so we've we've had some decent goalkeepers uh, over the time, but we have had some some dross. Nyland, I couldn't. Uh, 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 Nyland, I I cringed. Bun was the worst of the lot. Guzan was fine until I think his confidence hit uh, hit rock bottom and then he became a liability. Um Galini uh, went on to be a good goalkeeper but um you know didn't really get the time to to um to develop for us. Pepe Reina last year was also a bit of a clown car. So we've had some real we had some real bad bad uh, times with goalkeepers and um, you know Martinez uh Martinez has just been absolutely beautiful Um, I'm not going to compare him to the all-time Aston Villa goalkeepers yet because I think it's too early but if he carries on like this he'll be the best Aston Villa goalkeeper I've seen
0: I think there's a, a name there that Craig mentioned that comes to mind is Brad Friedel I was thinking when was the last time I felt this secure in a Villa goalkeeper and I think it was Friedel and I think Martinez if I'm right in saying is now one clean sheet away from Friedel's Premier League record of 15 for Villa and yeah it's very similar I mean different age, different countries, but it's that winning mentality he he seems to care so much and i've I've read a lot of interviews with him where he dissects saves that he didn't make and there's always stories of him staying late for training to to you know get shots pinged at him from angles that he's let him in before and it's great to have a perfectionist like that between the sticks I think it raises everyone's game and we were talking earlier about confidence, and it's amazing how much easier I feel when a cross comes into the box. Last season, every time a ball went into the box, I was gritting my teeth, kind of tense, white-knuckling it. But every time now, you're like, "Ah, oh, Martinez has got that. It's not a problem. Martinez will get that. And it's when he gets beaten, I'm almost shocked that someone's managed to sneak one past him. He's that good. and I'm still staggered that Arsenal let him go. I'm staggered that they let him go for the price that they did. He's he looks like an absolute bargain now, and and the great thing is, I think he's still only twenty seven, which is young for a keeper. And we've got his best years ahead of us. and And if he can carry on even half as good as he has been this season, then then we've got some fantastic stability in in between the sticks.
2: Well, that's that's the thing that I was I was said earlier in the season about Martinez was. He's probably got all his, all his, learning and his gaffes and his mistakes out the way, during all those loan spells he had while he while he was at Arsenal, and Arsenal had him for all that time, and they they just haven't reaped the benefits other than the twenty million um, that we that that we posted to them um, last summer. So, um, you know, it's 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 great it's great to see and it's great to see Villa as well actually getting a signing like that where so many times we've we've signed players and we've thought that's the one and then it just hasn't worked out at all and you know I I remember back in the summer thinking, oh God, we're signing another goalkeeper. You know, another, you know, we've got we've got how many goalkeepers, we've had how many goalkeepers? Here's another goalkeeper. I mean it's just it's just an astonishing signing and one of our best signings for, for a number of years I think. And um, like you say, he's, he just fills you with confidence. You know, the next test for him will be next season um, defending his goal in front of the Holt end because that can be that's that's made a few goalkeepers wilt over the years. And um, you know, we'll we'll see how he goes, but he will get, he will get a massive reception the first time he runs towards the Holt end. It's it's going to be pretty spine tingling. I think I, I can't wait. I can't wait for that day. I have to say, but. Um, uh, yeah, we, I think it's just an excellent signing, and for me, whether I think I agree with Craig, he's it's he's, he's too early to tell in terms of Villa. I don't. I think he's the best goalkeeper in the Premier League at the moment, and and um, that save that he made from from Connor Cody was 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 out of this world. But but how many times have we said that this season? You know, just just performing absolute miracles for us. So. Um. Incredible stuff! Incredible stuff.
1: Another one as well, a bit like the signing of Matt Cash, you know, because we had Tom Heaton coming back from from injury. Uh, Jed Steer had come back from injury a lot, you know. Lots of people were saying a goalkeeper. We don't need another goalkeeper. We've got Tom Heaton, and Tom Heaton, good keeper, but I Emmy mean, Martinez is is different kind of gravy, and um, that is a great thing. You know, the age that um, that Dan mentioned, he's, he's so young that uh, he could be
2: our goalkeeper for the next decade, which is incredible. Definitely, definitely but um i mean looking ahead now to to, to friday night um villa travel to the northeast to take on newcastle um they are absolutely in a in a relegation scrap now i think fulham are really are really starting to to put the pressure on them you know they are going to need to beat us and they're missing a lot of their main players callum wilson St Maximum, um you know possibly some others are, are missing as well however this does feel like classic Aston Villa danger zone territory <laughs> um, uh, Jack Grealish could be coming back um, but it does it does feel like one of those banana skins particularly with the uh, the chap that's going to be sat in the opposing dugout um, well, you know, how do you see this one going? Are you expecting a, a positive outcome?
1: Yeah I am this time I think anything less than a, a win here will be disappointing but we have managed to to uh, lose and draw with Burnley, who are a desperate outfit and we lost to Sheffield United last week so I'm certainly not going to take this one for granted. I actually think this is a, a probably a game for Ross Barkley. Newcastle put the least pressure on the ball uh, than any other t- uh, pl- uh, team in the league, so Barkley will have the time and the space. You'd think Grealish will, will probably demand to play because he's going to want to be in that England squad and Southgate is, is going to pick him if he's not fit, so... I mean, I wouldn't risk Grealish for this game. I would like to think we have enough to beat Newcastle, particularly with Newcastle's uh, injury list without Jack. I'd rather he take his time and be fit for the running and also the Euros because I think he deserves that. But yeah, you know, there's there's no dressing this one up. Anything less than a a, a win against Newcastle, a a heavily depleted Newcastle, is going to be a big disappointment.
0: Look, I, I hope Jack plays if only so we don't have to see what fashion choices he makes this week. I, I don't know if you saw the shots of him in the crowd, but a purple bomber jacket, not a good look on Jack, but I, I I agree with Craig. Newcastle are a team we should be beating, but interestingly for me, there's always a little extra edge around this game. I mean, Villa and Newcastle fans are, are not, don't love each other that much. you have got a bit of a checkered history, and, and the Steve Bruce factor pays into it as well, and I look at Bruce and Newcastle and just thank our lucky stars that he's not Villa manager anymore. And, and you know, we all went through those dark days with him and some of the football and and we saw how limited it was and and kind of going there now, it's nice to be the progressive team going there expecting a win rather than turtling it and hoping that we get something out of it. And same as Craig, I hope we rescue Grealish. I don't think we will. I think with an England camp round the corner, he'll play no matter what. And I think that... Even with or without him, we should have enough to beat Newcastle. And, you know, last season, I think we played some of our best football against Newcastle too. I'm thinking the game where where Hurrahan kind of, Led the charge, got the free kick against them. So I don't know. I it's I felt this confident going into the Sheffield United game and the Burnley game. So I'm I'm not exactly a, a token of knowledge here, but I think we've got enough to beat Newcastle. And if we don't, then then there's going to be an interesting chat on the podcast next week. Absolutely, absolutely. And so
2: as we as we always do at the end of these podcasts, we just keep it nice and short and sweet and do do some pre- score predictions. So. Go on, Craig. What are you saying for Newcastle?
1: Uh, two 0 Villa.
2: Two 0 Villa.
0: Dan. I was going to go two nil Villa, but I'll go one nil Villa.
2: Okay, I'm going to go four one Villa. Ooh, balls. Uh, yeah, we're going to we're going to open up. We're going to open up on them and give them a proper. You spanking. had
1: two one uh, Villa walls, which it, it really could have been as well, didn't you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I did. I thought. I thought. Uh, I thought we'd. But I think Jack will play, and I think. I think we'll. Um, we'll be way too good for them, and. I can see Ollie Watkins hitting form again at the at the weekend. So let's hope so. Let's hope we are discussing a, a big win on the podcast next week. Um thanks, thanks for joining me today, guys. Really good to talk to you both and uh really looking forward to the next the next few weeks. Um hopefully getting into some 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 more discussions about a, a resurgent Aston Villa. Um thanks for listening, everyone. Um if you do want to um follow us on on social media we're on all the all the all the regular social media channels twitter facebook and instagram go and look us up on there um and also the website we've got some great writing going on um if you haven't checked it out it's under agaslitlamp.com and uh there's some ex- always excellent writing on 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 the website um about the villa about the first team about the academy and of course about the, the the villa women as well um who are heading into a really key time as they try and stay in the in the premier league themselves so so check that out and i do believe that um Regan and Georgia will be recording uh, a villa women's podcast possibly tomorrow or later this week so look out for that as well um uh you don't have to subscribe separately it's the same the same uh channel so check that out hopefully we'll be back talking about a win next week and in the meantime everyone please stay safe and up the villa